Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this beautiful day? Wherever you are, I hope you are taking some time to care for yourself, to show yourself a little kindness, to just be gentle. Um, Something that I've been noticing is how hard we are on ourselves. Um, And we do it so often that we don't even realize that we're being hard on ourselves. We just think that it's normal. So I invite you to take a moment now and ask yourself, okay, am I allowing myself some grace? Am I allowing for my humanness to come through, through whatever flaws or mistakes I might make or show? Um, And if so, then, you know, give yourself grace for that and say, okay, starting now in this moment, I will take a deep breath, exhale out and show a little more kindness, a little more compassion and grace to myself. All right. Okay, my friends. So I pulled a card for you today from the, uh, I was going to say the Starseed Oracle deck, because that's that's the one that I tend to pull from a lot lately. But today I have pulled from the Lightseer's Tarot deck. And today emerges the Fool, which is the very first card of the Major Arcana of the whole deck. And it's designated by the number zero. Um, which is to say that we are to start from the beginning. We are to start with a beginner's mind, as if we don't know anything, as if we're a newborn baby. And it's so interesting, the timing of this card, as it is any time you pull a card. You know, the timing is impeccable. The cards never lie. The time that I'm recording this, the full moon in Virgo is happening. The energy is potent. I will admit that I have been very irritable as of late, um, where I'm asking myself, okay, I'm aware that I'm irritable and I'm not exactly sure why I'm irritable. I just know that I am. So I'm going to feel it. I'm going to let the feelings ride through me and hopefully it'll go through its cycle. I'll be out on the other side, a better person learned whatever lessons I needed to learn, even if I'm not aware of whatever lessons need to be learned. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to presence that the full moon is doing some interesting (sighs) energies. The astrological weather is very um, potent. Saturn is moving into Pisces, which means that um, there is a lot of structure that's being called to be created for our unconscious desires and for our emotional states, um, which all coincides with the full moon in Virgo, which is about endings. So as the one thing ends, a new thing begins. 
And so the fool comes into play. Uh, so I'll read the, the guidebook for you. Uh, this is New Beginnings, Potential Adventures, Enthusiasm, Awakening, Innocence, and Optimism. Every dream achieved begins with the seeming foolish notion that there is something bigger out there, something greater to explore and to become. This childlike optimism comes from deep within your knowing, and it reminds you that you can achieve all the magical things that you've been dreaming about. The journey of the soul begins with a single step, and you may find yourself on the edge of an epic journey. Turn toward the future with enthusiasm and know that a divine leap of faith is required in order to claim the reward that the abyss is offering. How foreboding is that, right? It's like, go ahead, take a leap into the abyss and know that it's a divine leap of faith and then trust and know that you will be held when you land wherever you land, right? That's kind of scary. I mean, the word abyss, like, hello. Anyway, let me continue. You may not feel ready. <laughs> you may not feel, you may not be ready, but there is magic in the air and the universe is waiting to support you with infinite love and guidance. Trust your intuition as you swan dive into the seed of potential. I love the wording of that. Swan dive into the seed of potential. And so the mantra for this card is, I am ready for this adventure down my soul path. Now, I have all the goosebumps for this, like because of the timing, because of just everything that's been unfolding that I've been seeing and witnessing. And um, I will say that this feels like there's shifts ahead. There is transformations afoot. And I talk about transformations a lot, you know, and, and, and thinking about all the podcast episodes that I've done and the themes that I have covered and the teachings that I've shared, transformation is at the core of it. But a lot of it is incremental transformation. Maybe it's transformation around more self-awareness. Maybe it's about around a certain phase of life. This, for some reason, feels bigger. For, not for some reason. I know it's, you know, the planets are all shifting into various signs. I'm not an astrologer, so I'm not going to go into it. Um, but, and you can check uh, Chani Nicholas for some of that transit, uh, for some of that astrological insight. She is amazing. Um, I also follow Dr. Michael Lennox on Instagram, and he has some great insight into what's happening right now. But with Saturn moving into Pisces, that's a big deal. Um, and there's some interesting other things happening, but they're all to say that we are, we are closing out a certain chapter. So Saturn stays in a sign for around three years. And so we know what's happened the last three years, right? I mean, hello, pandemic. So um, 2020 up until now has been in Saturn's been in Aquarius and it's a, a changer of the paradigm. I want to say a paradigm effort, but you know, I'm trying to keep it clean, folks. <laughs> but a lot of things are shifting. A lot of paradigms are being torn down and new ones are being built. Now that we're moving into Pisces, now it's about the emotional states that we are experiencing. And collectively, there is change. There is evolution happening. And so I feel like having this mentality or this approach of looking at things from 
a beginner's point of view, beginner's mind, that you can approach it like a clean slate to be like, all right, you know what? Everything that applied yesterday doesn't work today, doesn't apply today. And I've been talking about this for a little bit now, actually, where I've been talking about in the context of midlife, where everything that we have done to solve whatever problems or to overcome any obstacles, all those tools that we have don't work anymore, or at least they don't work in the way that we are accustomed to. So now we're at a a turning point, both astrologically, but also in our lives, you know, in the stage of our lives that we're in, um, where the tools, they don't have to be thrown away, but they need to be looked at in a different light. They need to be approached or used in ways that we haven't thought of before. So here's the thing. How do you know what to come up with if it's never come up with before? (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you know how to create the new thing when it's new? You know, this is, and it's so funny. It's like such a, it's such a question because when I'm writing poems, I don't ask that question. When I'm writing poems, I just write the poem. I don't say, Ooh, how am I going to write this poem about blah, blah, blah. If I don't know how to write the poem about blah, blah, blah. You know, it's so I, I like crack myself up. I really, I'm like, girl, just do the thing. So that's my advice to you. (laughs) I don't like to give advice necessarily. So I'll just say my suggestion to try it out, to just do the thing, you know, so you may not know how to do it, but one step at a time, do the thing. So for example, if you are running a business and the traditional way of doing business is exchange of money, right? You offer a product or a service and someone who is a client will give you money to purchase the thing that you are offering. What if what's happening now globally, collectively, is that we are moving now to a model where it's about the exchange. It's about an energetic exchange, a transaction of sorts that doesn't necessarily have to do with something called money. It's just, I'm just, you know, talking to kind of think things out loud and speculate. Yes, of course, we need money to pay our bills, but I'm just wondering about that because there's a lot of emphasis on acquiring money in order to feel secure. But what we forget to see is that it's not money that we want. It's the things that money gets us is that what we want. So for example, like we don't want money just to like pile up and, you know, hang out on our bank account. We want to use that money to go on a luxurious vacation, to buy that car that we've been dreaming about, to invest in, you know, some kind of course, personal development course that you know is going to change your life, right? What if we imagined a way of doing business that was more about an exchange? And this is tricky. I mean, this is not something that's going to be implemented anytime soon because people have different ideas of what's valuable and what number to put to that and what would be considered an even exchange. It requires all of us to be in some level of integrity that we all can understand. You know, it's, it, you know, it's just, it's nuanced. But what I'm presenting to you is this opportunity to think about different ways of creating the life that we want to live. 
business was just an example. So let's see if we can come up with another example. You know, let's say there's this um, project that you want to work on. Let's say it's a creative project. Okay. And you have this idea. Let's say you're an artist. You have this idea for an exhibit that somehow deals with the idea of identity. We'll say identity as a midlife, a midlife woman. And, but you don't know what that is. So you just start exploring. That's what I want to get at is like, doesn't, you don't have to be a creative person. You don't have to be making art and like thinking about an installation or exhibit or whatever it is. It's more about thinking about the ways in which you interact with your own life and how that's starting to shift, how that's starting to change. Here, let's take another example. Parenting. Okay. The way that I was raised was an example for me of how to raise my kids because that was the only thing that I knew. Right. And so the way I was raised was like, if I did something wrong, I got yelled at or, you know, worse, you know, corporal punishment was a thing in my family. Um, and I've talked about that on the show before, but what, and this is, and this is what I'm working on, but what if parenting was centered around care and guidance and correction rather than punishment. You know, something, let's say my kid does something that I don't like, that I don't, you know, that's wrong or, you know, they didn't know any better and they, you know, flushed the, something down the toilet and clogged the toilet, whatever. I mean, my default, my go-to is to yell at them be like, you know better than to do that and blah, 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 blah. But for me to cultivate a level of awareness where I can step back and be like, okay, let me, let me look at the situation. Let me look at my kid as a human being that has feelings and emotions. And before I explode on them, because I can't regulate my own emotions, let me take a deep breath and assess the situation and ask myself, what is the best way for me to address this so that they can hear it? Because when we yell, people don't hear you. They go into defensive mode. They go into fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So how can we speak with people with a level of care and safety so that what we are saying gets received? That's something I'm working on. And that's what I mean by the shift in the way that we are doing things, in the way that we are interacting with each other. It's not going to be a huge, dramatic shift overnight, you know? I mean, I still yell at my kids, but they are growing up in a house that is vastly different from what I grew up in. They feel safe to be themselves, like fully themselves. They feel nurtured and supported and loved. And if they have questions, they don't hesitate to ask me if they're, they're having problems or they have challenges or any curiosities. They're not afraid to come to me and ask, which is the total opposite of the household that I grew up in. And so change is possible. It just might not be as fast as we would like, you know but that's, that's okay because we have a lifetime to just improve on 
the moment prior to this moment. To take whatever present moment we're in, gather that information and the accumulative information that we've gleaned over our lifetime on this planet in this moment to inform what the next step is going to be. Whatever it is, what's, what's the next step in your life? Whether it's like, what's the next step in grocery shopping? Like, what do I have to buy at the store? Am I going to buy everything, you know, for the week? Am I going to buy just what I need for today? Am I going to do this, this, you know? Every moment, there is a decision that needs to be made. And can you use the information that you've gathered in the previous moment to help you make a more informed, more aligned decision with whatever is going to propel you forward? I had an example and now I can't remember. (laughs) Um, But there are times when I have not listened to my intuition and then later regretted it because I did the opposite. And then I was like, oh, yeah, no. The results that I wanted just didn't work out. It was really disappointing. And then I was like, you know, talking to myself like, you, why'd you do that? You know better than to you know, not listen to your intuition, just trust the intuition. So it really is about cultivating self-trust as well as we create these new ways of being. So this this brings me to um, the survival mode that a lot of us women of color are in. You know, how can we create new ways of being when we're like just freaking out about our own safety? <laughs> Right. Where we're like, all right, like I always have to be on because I'm looking for someone to treat me differently because of, you know, my rankings, we'll say my position, my positionality in the hierarchy of our socioeconomic society. That's so dumb. I didn't mean to say that. I meant to say in our socioeconomic community, (laughs) society, socio, it's the same thing. Hello. Um, I don't mean to go nerdy on you, but here we go. Um, so being a woman of color, you, we are on alert most of the time, you know, as a woman in the patriarchy, we're not hundred percent safe, right? We are always on the lookout for predators, um, whether they are actual like physical predators or psychological ones, we are always paying attention as women of color. There's another layer there where we need to fit in, so to speak, into the white supremacist structures where we behave a certain way or we speak a certain way. If you are ever in a community where it's just women of color, we speak in a totally different way than we would in mixed company. And... If you make it even more specific, where it is, let's say, Filipino women of color, that doesn't even make sense, Filipinas in one community, we have a certain way of speaking to each other too. So it's, it's interesting to observe because then that is an expression of the different levels of safety that we have with each other. So how are we supposed to create any kind of new ways of being if we're too busy trying to protect ourselves? So it's about regulating the nervous system. I know, 
it's like, wait, you're talking science now, girl, what are you, what are you on? Like first it's spiritual and now we're on science. Well, think about it. When we are on alert, our nervous system is very stressed. We're like, okay, is this person going to say something to me? Are they going to, you know, marginalize me? Are they going to oppress me? Like what's happened? Uh, 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 uh. And there's never any time to relax. So how can we relax if we feel that we're always on the defensive? So what's the opposite of defensive? Offensive. So one way in which we can be offensive is to reclaim our power. And by reclaiming our power, we can ease our nervous system into that rest digest mode, into the parasympathetic nervous system where we can actually be like, all right, you know what? I got this. Yeah, this guy is not going to mess with me because I am fully in my power. And if he tries to manipulate me, I can see him coming a mile away. Yes. Now, this is not to discount the very real and very physical perils of being a woman of color. There's some real threats out there. What I'm offering is what we can do to reclaim our power so that we can trust ourselves to make choices that keep us safe. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that we can opt out of the world or of the patriarchal society or out of white supremacy. No, we live in that. It's a reality for us physically. How we operate within that system is what's within our power, the choices that we make, how much risk are we willing to take to tell our story? Can we embody a sense of empowerment so that our resilient nervous systems can feel held and at ease when we share our stories? Or do we share only a little bit of our story? Do we only share our story to certain communities, you know, it all is about understanding the levels of comfort and safety that you can create for yourselves within the system, what's within your power. For example, um, over the weekend, I was part of a seminar for underrepresented um, voices, faculty at, um, at my university. And uh, it was hosted by Roxane Gay, and she's an amazing person, amazing writer, author, intellectual. And, um, and she had some guest speakers for us, which was really amazing. And we got to, we got to ask her questions at the end. And um, it was such a, was such a wonderful day to be in community with so many good, good people. Um, but Brittany Cooper was one of the guest speakers and she she's also a professor at Rutgers and she shared with us her experience of what it's like to be a black woman and a public intellectual and the dangers that come with that and how she um, takes measures to not just share her knowledge, share her stories, you know, fight the power, so to speak, but the measures she takes to keep herself safe. And so it really is about discerning, yes, I am in my power, 
And I can choose whether or not I'm going to go to this particular situation. I can choose whether or not I'm going to share this story in this particular arena, you know. So how can we change our ways of being as women of color? Well, one, just don't take things for granted. Like, don't go on autopilot. Don't be complacent to really interrogate how you are being in your life. And it doesn't have to necessarily do with the larger scope of, you know, politics and activism and, and, you know, the things that I just talked about. It could just be in your day to day. You know, what are you doing to not be on the hamster wheel? What are you doing to improve your quality of life, to grow and evolve? What are you doing to feel fulfilled, to expand who you are being and how you are being with other people? You know, if you find yourself going through the routine of the day where you like wake up, brush your teeth, use the bathroom, eat breakfast, have coffee, mumble to the people that are in your house that live with you, go to work, do your job gruntingly or mindlessly or whatever it is, come home, feed whoever dinner, you know, maybe exercise or whatever. And you just move through that day, day in, day out. What is the point? What is the purpose? That's the question I want to, to pose for all of you. What is your why? What is your North Star that keeps you going, that keeps you wanting to do better, to be better? It doesn't have to be for other people. Actually, I would prefer that it wasn't because then you wouldn't feel this lack of reciprocity. Because sometimes if you make the North Star like, oh, I do this for my kids, and then your kids don't appreciate it, you're just like, man, you know, I did all this work for you, and blah, 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 you don't even appreciate it. I mean, that's a common... <laughs> A common occurrence in my house, I, I hate to admit, where like I do things for my kids and I feel like I'm taking it for granted and it's very upsetting to me because I had set that expectation for them to say thank you. You know, I mean, that's common courtesy, but it's just also like me looking for some external um, acknowledgement when really... That just sets me up. <laughs> but I talk to them about it. You know, I, I talk to them and I say, listen, how would you like it if you work so hard on something and people were just like, yeah, OK, whatever. You know, I, I'm trying to teach them the skills of appreciation, um, of acknowledgement and gratitude. And, you know, it's it's a process, we'll say. Um, but, yeah, your North Star, your why for what you do, whatever you do for yourself or for your community, or for your family, or for the larger collective, whatever it is, what is your why? What is your purpose for doing the things that you do? Is it because, well, okay, let me talk about this. My why, you know, someone had asked me recently, you know, not asked me, but said, you know, focus on your why. I was feeling a little frustrated and discouraged and disgruntled um, about a few things. And a friend of mine said, well, what is your why? Like, what is your North Star? What is your thing that keeps you going, that keeps you wanting to do the thing that you're doing? 
you know? So writing, for example, like, why do I keep writing? I've been writing for over 20 years, maybe 30 years, 30 years. Yeah, that's about, yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe longer if you want to count my high school writing. Um, why do I keep writing after all this time? And it's not for the accolades, <laughs> but that's for sure. <laughs> because if it was, I would have quit a long time ago. And I think about this a lot because, because there are some, you know, younger writers um, who ask me things like that. And uh, my students ask me that too. And I, and I answer with, because I feel compelled to share my stories it's something within me that feels like it needs to be shared. That keeping it within me is almost selfish. And there are people who would love to receive the gift of whatever stories I have to share. Because I am a gift. And I've had evidence of this throughout my writing career, where I'll get random emails from people who have read a poem in this anthology, or they've seen, um, you know, some poems of mine out in the world, and they'll send me an email, and they'll be like, oh my God, thank you for writing this. When I, when I read this, I was like, oh, this is my story too. I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel validated, and that makes me feel so good. That lights me up. And the thing is, what, what's great about it What's interesting about it is like, I feel lit up, but it's not, it's because it's not an expectation. I write and I don't even expect anyone to read it. Actually, <laughs> I write and I share, I write and I share, I write and I share. And I'm just like, okay, you know, like people read it. Cool. If they don't, it's all right. It's just, I got all these stories I got to tell. They can't shut me up. No one can shut me up. I got all these stories to tell. And as I'm talking to you now, I'm like, how come that can't? apply to everything else that I do? This is a question I'm asking myself and I'm asking you. Can you do it for the joy of it? Can you do the thing because it lights you up? The, the act of it lights you up. It's not necessarily about what happens after. You know, it's not about, for me, it's not about the readers that may stumble upon my work and I'm just waiting for the next email for someone to say, oh my God, this is amazing. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm just like doing my thing, writing my poems, writing my stories and sharing them however I can share them, whether it's my blog, whether it's my Substack, whether it's in literary journals, you know, I'm just sharing. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. You know, I will say maybe at some point in my 30s, or maybe when I turned 40, I don't know, I just stopped caring about the the business stuff of writing. You know, yeah, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be so fun to get a book contract with one of the big publishing houses. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be so fun. But I'm not like clamoring for it. Like, oh my God, this is going to be my do or die of my career. I was like, I don't care anymore. You know, I will share my work however it needs to be shared. And the people that hear it are going to be the ones that find me. They'll, they'll find me one way or another. Um, so that, that took a little bit of work on my part to get there, but I feel good about that. 
So my question to you is, what is your why? What is your North Star for doing whatever you're doing? Like, why do you get out of bed? And of course, I know that there are folks out there who are really struggling with depression and anxiety and deal with this question day in and day out. I want to acknowledge that and I want to honor that. And I want to ask you, when you ask this question, and this goes for everybody, you know, depression, anxiety or not. What makes you get up out of bed? Why do you get out of bed? I know it's a struggle for those of us who have these mental health challenges, right? Sometimes we don't have the answer. But deep, deep down, like way, way, way down beneath all of that heaviness, there is the tiniest, littlest glimmer of light, which is your divine essence that little light has the answer. And the answer doesn't have to be big. It could be something like, I get up because I love seeing the sun through my window. I get up because I love daffodils and they're going to pop out through the grass any day now. I get up out of bed because the smell of coffee is to die for. (laughs) You know, I mean, it could be anything. It could be anything. And so this brings back the question of like, how can you create new ways of being in the world that are different from what society, from what social media, from other people in your life are telling you? What is your heart telling you? What is that teeny tiny little glimmer of light telling you? Follow that. And chances are, it's not going to be where you expect. It, it's going to be somewhere weird, somewhere where your freak flag is going to fly high in the sky and people are going to look at you sideways and be like, what are you even doing? And you know what? It's not going to matter because you're going to be so freaking happy. I'm telling you. But I know that's not easy. And it takes some nervous system resilience. It takes some growth in spiritual evolution, in personal development, all kinds of things. But know that it's possible. It is possible to grow from where you are to create new ways of being, to create change, to start with that fool's card with that new beginner's mind. So what will you create with this new chapter? What are you going to bring forward into your life? Even if it's just you that knows about it. You know, I think too much of our world today focuses on the big picture. Social media is like this giant stage of performers. And we are in the audience watching it thinking that's how we need to be and it's not you know I see so many things on social media and I was like oh you know sometimes I'm like oh really is that how I have to be and then I check myself I'm like no 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 that's not how I have to be that's how some one person is being right now but that doesn't mean that I have to do that because I am unique and weird and do things totally differently 
because my brain is different. I mean, you want to talk about neurodiversity. Yeah, my brain is different. Also, I live in the diaspora, which is like neither here nor there. So I'm in the middle, so I can do whatever I want because no one else is over here except the other diaspora kids, <laughs> you know? So I just want to invite you to ask yourself, what am I going to create now? With this full moon that marks endings, there is going to be a new space that opens up for you to create something new. So what is that thing going to be? If you don't know, that's okay. Talk to your heart. Spend some time just getting quiet. Listen to what your heart is saying. And if it's wild and crazy, that's probably the right one. <laughs> anyway, my friends. All right. So go forth. Be in your light. Be the fool that you are. <laughs> we all are fools. Um, I'm going to close the episode with this poem by Hafez. This is called All the Hemispheres. Leave the familiar for a while. Let your senses and body stretch out like a welcome season onto the meadows and shores and hills. Open up to the roof. Make a new watermark on your excitement and love. Like a blooming night flower, bestow your vital fragrance of happiness and giving upon our intimate assembly. Change rooms in your mind for a day. All the hemispheres in existence lie beside an equator in your heart. Greet yourself in your thousand other forms as you mount the hidden tide and travel back home. All the hemispheres in heaven are sitting around a fire chatting while stitching themselves together into the great circle inside of you. Oh. That's so nice. Love that. All right, my friends. I hope you have a beautiful week. And I will close this out as I always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.